Hi, this is Jenny Breckis, and this is Off the Dais. Thanks for listening. Today's topic is about homeowners associations, sometimes called common interest communities or condominium associations. It's a topic you often hear about, particularly if you listen to City of Reno development approvals, and you probably know about if you live in one, but they don't get discussed much. What they are, why they exist, what are the realm in which they operate, and uh, who's involved in them. I'm really excited today to have two guests, both with long-time experience in homeowners associations. So let's get right to it and talk to Rhonda Tyson, a Ward 1 resident, who is the Common Interest Community Homeowners Association president for a high-rise along the river in southwest Reno. Let's hear what she has to say about her community neighborhood. Rhonda Tyson you are the Homeowners Association president for the Riverside Condominiums. Thanks for chatting with me. Yeah, it's good to be here. Now, I think your association just got received some sort of distinction. What was that? Yeah, we were recognized uh, several times in this last the last two years by the Community Associations Institute, which is an international organization that advocates and educates people in common interest communities, including homeowner associations and condominium associations. So we were recognized two years in a row as the high rise of the year in the state of Nevada. Uh, We also were recognized by the same organization for some of our board member achievements. I'm proud to say that I was named the Northern Nevada Board Member of the Year. Another one of our board members was named the Rising Star of the Year. Uh, And another member wrote an article for a community interest magazine and was recognized for having written the article of the year. So we're quite proud of our accomplishments. That's great. You know, I wanted to highlight homeowners associations in all their forms because I think a lot of people don't really recognize how important they are to their day-to-day lives. And increasingly in a place like Reno, where the homeowners associations have had so much increased responsibility in providing services, amenities, and infrastructure to uh, you know their resident citizens. So let's zero in on the high-rise concept because... Uh, Yours is a little bit distinct, but also a very old one and probably a model we're going to be seeing more in Reno as we do more in fill development. So where are Riverside condominiums? How old are you? And what's the the sketch there of your community? We just uh, passed our 50th anniversary of when the Articles of Incorporation were signed uh, and the buildings were built probably two years later. So our buildings uh, were two high-rise buildings, uh, each with 50 units in them. So we have 100 units total. Uh, And those buildings are now about 47 or 48 years old. The Artists of Incorporation is an interesting concept. When I was a baby planner maybe many years ago in Albuquerque, uh, my very um, mature boss at the time used to uh, drill into our brains that when a resident would come in and talk to us about 
their covenants and restrictions in their homeowners association to say, well, you know, the city is not a party to those. And that's a private contract among uh, all of you that you uh, opted into when you bought your condominium. And that theme is is very interesting to me because sometimes those articles of incorporation will dictate terms like, uh, you know, we've got a pool and how we're going to deal with the grounds and what we can or cannot put in balconies. Increasingly in Reno, I see uh, articles of incorporation giving homeowners associations responsibilities over maintaining a lot of important infrastructure like uh, drainages and, and retaining walls. What's the scope of Riverside condominiums and your big responsibilities there and issues that you face? We face the issues that any aging building is going to face, which is deteriorating infrastructure. Uh, I think one of the reasons we were recognized by the Community Associations Institute is because of the work that we've done for the last three years uh, in improving that infrastructure. Uh, We have issues like getting our buildings painted and stairs replaced and new roofs. And we'll, we'll have new chillers put on for our, our air conditioning system, we have to have that done again this spring. So yes, we do take the responsibility of a lot of infrastructure in a different way than your traditional homeowners association of single family dwellings. And that's where I think municipalities get the greatest benefit because those communities take care of lighting and parks and roadways and so forth. We have 2.7 acres that includes a pool, we've got trees, a clubhouse, but most of our money uh, is put into the infrastructure itself, our our pipes, our our painting, as I said, our roofs. And of course, with the condominium collapse in Florida, we're looking at a lot more regulation, a lot more restriction. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are putting on lending requirements that are going to have impacts on condominium associations. So it's a very curious position to be in because as you mentioned earlier, when you're in a homeowner association or a condominium association, you are contracted with that entity to follow those rules and to share in common expenses. But at the same time, entities, be they city, federal, banking, whoever, puts rules and regulations on us that we have to follow. It's very curious to me at times juxtaposition of responsibility. The, the association itself, the board of directors, uh, is, is a mini government. And the only difference between us and other governmental entities is we're all volunteers. We don't get paid and we can't get paid. And so we just do our best to make our communities better places. You know, you are providing government services. I think increasingly some more so in Reno as we suburbanize and have a lot more land that's set aside uh, that the city doesn't want to take on. It's a liability to the city. So we have the HOA uh, own that, maintain it. Sometimes, uh, you know, increasingly a park is in there. It's a park open to the public, but park nonetheless that the HOA maintains. So all that comes with, if you will, fees to people who are within the HOAs that are household expenses like the mortgage, and you have that fiscal prudency that you need to deliver to your members because I'm sure, uh, you know, the dues 
are always a, um, a concern, but you don't want to, you have to have reserves. You have to have a capital improvement plan to make sure things aren't falling apart. And then you also have to run for office too. And that's serious business because you have so much responsibility. Do people often get mad at you, have complaints to you? Um, you have some constituency responsibility or is there, um, a lot of great appreciation for the volunteer efforts that you put forward for the good of all. A a little bit of both. And I'm happy to say it's more appreciation and less criticizing. Uh, There was a a commercial a couple of years ago set in a homeowners association that featured this woman running around clipping hedges and, and uh, chopping down mailboxes. And then the, the intro was, yeah, that's so that's Cynthia. She's the homeowner association. And that's the impression a lot of people have of homeowner associations. There are rules and regulations that are designed to protect the value of the property. But quite frankly, there are some people that shouldn't live in a condominium association. If you don't like the sounds of dog barking, dogs barking, and you live in a in a place where dogs bark, people are allowed to have pets, or if you are allergic to smoke and you're in, a, in an apartment next to another apartment, you might have that nuisance affect the quality of your living. And it's not as easy because you're an owner to simply move. You know, if you're a renter, you can say, this isn't for me, I'm going to move on. But when you own, you have a responsibility to stay and and work through things. So I think we've been very successful at addressing our owners' needs in in not being those kind of, of terrible people who want to control your life just because you live in a common interest community. I, I think we have a fairly light hand, but when people do get called on for violating some of our rules that, that are designed for the health, safety, and welfare of our residents, they can get very angry. And, you know, I, I had uh, an owner call me yesterday and burn my ear for a half an hour over something that I could do nothing about. But I'm the person, I'm the person that, that they go to with their complaints. It's an unusual experience. I, I get as many thanks from people. They know that it's a volunteer position that takes a lot of time. And I think most people appreciate the work that I and the other volunteers do. I have over the years wondered, you know, where we would be if we didn't have the hundreds, if not thousands of people who are willing to sit on these HOAs and make these decisions and pick up the phone calls because they are so critical to our governance of our neighborhoods and unexamined. I don't even know if the city's tracked how many new residential units have been built in the last you know decade outside of HOA bottle. I, I, I would imagine if they did it, there'd be surprised, maybe 10, 15% of new ownership, you know, condominiums and single families are outside of the um, HOA model. Now, some of those can be just as minuscule as 10 units in common walls and, you know, one driveway picking up trash, common trash collection. Um, But it would be very good to have an understanding of 
the the full complexion of HOAs in Reno, the trends, what's working, what's not working, you know, outside of what the state requires in terms of having them regulated as common interest communities under that statutory framework. I like to call the people in Ward 1 where I've represented like yourself and the other HOA uh, presidents, the mayor of, quote, Edgewater, the mayor of, quote, Riverside condominiums, because uh, you really are, you know, identified as the leaders in those areas. And I think, um, I think it's great to appreciate you and, and recognize all the work you do. Quite frankly, on President's Day, I was very disappointed that I wasn't acknowledged. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, I'm just kidding. Well, (laughs) when it's time to pass the torch, I'm sure you'll be ready. And um, last time I checked, I don't think HOAs have um, term limits unless it's in your articles of incorporation there, right? Yeah, just just one last thing to, to say on that. I believe that people appreciate the work I do. But one thing I also tell them is I live here too. I have an investment, a a huge financial investment in this place. So I have every interest in making sure that this is the premier place in Reno for people to live or to want to live. Whether you think it is or not, that's our goal to to provide an environment that is, is attractive, where people get along, they have a, a sense of community, they have amenities, we're close to downtown. We've got a lot going for us, but it's my investment too. So I consider my volunteer time to be time invested in my own investment. All right. So we've heard from Rhonda and she's expressed the personal reward that she gets from being involved in an HOA, an award-winning HOA protecting her investment. And I'll tell you, knowing her and her community, people look up to her leadership. She helps a lot out and she's looking out for everyone's interest over there. But the HOAs and their uh, jobs and duties have always been of interest to me, increasingly so in this development boom in the Great Recession. Let's listen to a clip not that long ago when an HOA was going to be required to set up uh, for development in the east side of the valley and had a big task to do. And my last point that I really want to understand is this is 77 acres and about half is going to be wetlands to be maintained by the development. I'd like to understand if on that residential unit to per capita, if there is a um, precedent in the valley for private maintenance on this each residential unit for this much wetlands. And I'll just say down in um, in Damani Ranch, they have huge amount of wetlands to maintain privately by their HOAs, but they have a lot more homes to maintain that. And it's not like we don't have experience of HOAs going belly up and leaving the bag to the city of Reno. That was the double diamond one. So I'm very concerned that this, um, there may not be the economic ability uh, there are the hidden costs of this development because they'll be maintaining uh, wetlands about half the planned community in size um, for perpetuity. Thank you. All right. Our next guest is Don Lemires, and I'm really excited to talk to him because he knows the HOA world uh, from the highs, the lows, the personal, and the professional. And that's a really interesting perspective that I've found. So let's listen to this conversation that I had with him recently. 
Don Lamers, you're a professional uh, homeowners association manager, and you got. I in- am a supervising community association manager now for the last uh, 16 years. All right, and you got into that um, as a volunteer. That um, when I was a young kid, <laughs> just starting out, I purchased my first uh, condominium and homeowners association. And I received a bill in the mail that was quite substantial. And at that time, I was going to college and my part-time college job. And I was like, there's no way I can afford this. So I dug in and got involved and found out that, indeed, they did not need to do that special assessment. And I got appointed to the board. And kind of the rest is history. And I uh, took the class to become a community manager just to kind of put myself on an even playing field with those professional managers. I had another career at the time, and then it just sort of worked out where there was an opening and timing was great, and I've been doing that ever since. I think that both the service on those boards and the management of them, because there's so many of them that need that expertise, it's practically impossible to have an HOA without that expertise, I understand, under the legal framework that the state sets up. You can actually be a self-managed organization, but it's very challenging because what I've seen is, and I have transitioned self-managed communities into professional managed communities, and I'm finding that they don't follow statutes and they don't follow the guidelines of their governing documents, which is what HOAs are, is a contractual obligation to enforce those governing documents. Yeah, and um, and the prevalence of them in Reno, I have a hunch, and I haven't data checked it with anyone, but since the post-Great Recession Coming out of that 2014, 2016 period, I think you'd be challenged in the city of Reno to find a single-family detached subdivision community that has not been associated with an HOA. The model here in the city of Reno, and I've, I've thought about a research avenue to think about how you could design one without that, but, it, but it's tough. And um, it's, that kind of concept has led to me to think about what are the line item duties and responsibilities of an HOA. When I was starting out in the planning field, HOAs were usually managing, in my recollection, amenities, the swimming pool, sometimes the golf course, um, some sort of design control. And that's where HOAs get the bad rap of the proverbial, the wrong color trim on the windows and so on, and neighbors complaining to na- about neighbors running um, you know, the wrong holiday flag at a different time of year. But it's much more substantial, as I've seen Reno's development. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, so one of the things that I really think is very important is an HOA is a business it is a private organization um, run by a board of directors. It's not a municipality. And a lot of people don't understand that it's a contractual obligation when you purchase in an HOA. And yes, it is kind of a challenge that there's developments not, that everything is, is being consolidated into HOAs and there are no non-HOA developments. Um, and I know there's some benefits to the city, but there's also some you know issues that that creates as well. Uh, one of the one of the things that happens is the the membership blurs the lines between municipality and corporate uh, board, and so they believe that their HOA is servicing them as would a city. And a lot of times we do some functions that that seem that way, but actually we're a private organization, private corporation that's held up by a contract that everyone agrees to when they purchase into that HOA. And that's something that I find that is misleading for most people. And when they purchase it in HOAs, they don't really recognize that it's not police. It's not 
you know, health and human services. It's really just to maintain the property values and enhance the property values. And like you said, if there's any amenities, um, to be able to manage those amenities, such as clubhouse, pool, tennis courts, and the like. I look at it from the perspective of the development process, and time and time again, I'll see a piece of land come in with, say, wetlands or a large drainage facility or a fire access road. Right, um, right. And those are more or less considered common land, and they're important infrastructure, even private roads. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, the city doesn't want to take those on their books. That's just more liability of road miles or drainage or, you know, land to make fire safe. So they throw it onto this HOA. And I think at that point, people buy in and they don't realize they're being assessed, you know, every month for uh, maintaining a roadway or a large drainage that, you know, someday will need a culvert replaced and, and so on. And to my knowledge, there's not been in this region a public policy discussion on what point, you know, take it too far with an HOA. I think we had one in Reno at one time. Um, not that long ago, that was 60, 70 units, and they were going to be maintaining wetlands that had a federal permit on it. That's a lot of compliance for a little group to take on. Especially for volunteers. And what we've noticed is most of the volunteers on these boards are retired individuals who've had careers. Some of them, they come from all walks of life, but we, we find it challenging to have people in their midlife and or the young younger generation stepping up to volunteer for these boards. So uh, oftentimes these volunteers don't have the expertise, as you're, as you're stating, with respect to those types of issues. Yeah, and that's that's kind of pivoting to the next discussion is you were a young person who came onto an HOA and had some interest, but um, as I've talked to HOA leaders around community, and i always giving them a lot of appreciation for stepping up because they are doing a tremendous neighborhood service. But uh, the next generation, usually it is retired folks, and we've got new generations coming on, buying into these. How are we transitioning into our next generation of HOA leaders in the community? So I have I have like a, a small story. I, I did a I have a small HOA that I manage. It's around nine units um, here in South Reno, and I hadn't was hired on by two board members, and then they quit immediately after they hired me. So I was kind of left with the the option of turning the HOA back to them or trying to find substitute board of directors. So I reached out to the community, and two individuals that are under thirty actually involved. Uh, they they actually volunteered to step up. And I did have a meeting with them last week, and they did basically say that their generation really isn't joiners, and they really don't want to be involved in HOAs, but because they purchased in this community, they feel that they must. They also did say, you know, they didn't really understand what they were getting into when they purchased in an HOA, but they're very happy with with the way things are running at this point. The the challenge with with them, it's a different it's a different way they communicate. They're very technologically advanced compared to the older people. So from a management perspective, we we have to kind of cater to both of them. Wow, that's really fascinating. I mean, I think they're great tra- training ground for um, community service and stepping up. Absolutely. But, yeah, and so hopefully. You know, those two and others, you know, who are younger who buy into these, you, you know, they get something out of it. Yeah, they both they both said they were enjoying their experience and they were learning quite a lot. We're not prepared, prepared for that. And, you know, coming into it, they had no idea that this is actually what, what happens with an HOA. I get that. I mean, I think on the one hand, um, well, I have questions about the responsibilities that are infrastructure and other, um, uh, you know, large tasks that HOAs do. 
I do see a growing future in them because when you get into condominium, uh, more urban products, it's practically impossible to have that housing format without the HOAs, the condominium associations and so on. And in Reno's going to be getting more urban, more, you know, shared wall product right. for that affords the home ownership because that's that's the more affordable model. So I look to sure. see these, yeah, I look to see these increasing and, you know, maybe even some apartments going into condo conversions where they weren't before because that's an opportunity for ownership. So your profession has a big job ahead of it. Which, which actually does bring up a solid a solid point, which we discussed uh at a prior time is is basically, you know, the market for HOA managers is huge. Um, there, we have classes twice a year here in Reno, and this time we've only had four applicants for that class. Uh, right now, there's a total of 80 licensed managers in northern Nevada for all the communities that we have. That includes Reno, Sparks, Carson City, uh, Incline Village, uh, in that area, in the Lake Tahoe area. So it's very, very challenging because as we grow, the requirements that the, the state legislature puts on HOAs plus the just contractual obligations that you have to, to administer, um, it's quite quite a lot. And just, for example, people will con- contact you, and instead of contacting the police department, when they have a neighbor issue, they'll contact their HOA. It really kind of falls out of our jurisdiction, but we still have to handle it. Yeah, you're doing constituent services like us, but you also have a very serious budgeting role in terms of um, the formulas that the laws place on you to have reserves and be able to justify the rates you're paying and then get them through a vote, right? Correct. Uh, Every year, annually, a budget has to be uh, created and provided to the membership within 60 days of the end of fiscal year, which is usually January to December. Um, Typically, no one actually reads it until they get their bill in January, and then we get a bunch of people contacting us, asking us, you know, how how come this happened? And then we go through the data with them, explain to them. But one of the things that has happened in northern Nevada, especially, is that the reserve analysts have lowballed all the costs over the last decade. So right now, we're finding that costs are increasing in HOAs dramatically and people are going what what's going on well you hear pay me now or pay me later right now it's later yeah yeah that truth in budgeting is is uh boy that, and it's everywhere well hey thank you so much for being willing to talk to me about it i think and hope that people are going to um start to pay attention to these very important governance contractual entities, um, obligations and the role that they have in our, uh, you know, in our home ownership and our, um, residential life in Reno. Just on a positive note, you know, HOAs do provide a benefit and they do protect the property values. And I think that's the reason that they were instituted in the first place. Um, oftentimes we get bad raps in the HOAs. I've been a board president since I was age 26. Um, we've done nothing but, but enhance and protect our properties. But during that time and, you know, I've, I've had a pleasant experience as a board president um, and as an HOA manager. I find, you know, as long as you're, you're treating people respectfully, uh, it's a really great situation. Well, we've been hearing about homeowners associations common interest communities, condominium associations, a lot of different terms can be tossed around, but essentially they're contracts among property owners. And uh, the questions of what they do as assigned through the development process at the city of Reno, 
and uh, who leads them, particularly as uh, new ones are built. Every day, people are buying anew into these homeowners associations, and they're going to need leadership. So who's the new generation that's going to take on these leadership roles going forward? Well, I think we've just scratched the surface on this topic, and it's one I'm excited to continue to have at the city of Reno. Special thanks to my guests, Rhonda Tyson and Don Lammers for joining me on today's episode. All audio clippings in today's episode were sourced from Reno City Council meetings, which are available to the public online. Visit my website, jennybreckers.com. Follow along on Twitter and Instagram for more information. You can also email me at offthedais at gmail.com to make suggestions on topics and guests that you would like to hear from on upcoming episodes. We'll be back Tuesday, April 5th with an all new episode. I'm Jenny Breckis, and this is Off the Dais. Thank you for listening.